0: The following presentation, Winnie the Pooh, has been licensed and approved by the Project Gutenberg and therefore is now audible and viewable anytime. Podtravelers kindly remember this series has been enhanced with Plotagon and Augie Magic and freely available anytime on Spotify with captions for all, but by all means you really can listen worldwide, anywhere, everywhere, anytime, and now your exclusive preview of Season 3 begins. If you happen to have read another book about Christopher Robin, you may remember that he once had a swan, or the swan had Christopher Robin, I don't know which, and that he used to call this swan Pooh. That was a long time ago, and when we said goodbye, we took the name with us, as we didn't think the swan would want it anymore. Well, when Edward Bear said that he would like an exciting name all to himself, Christopher Robin said at once, without stopping to think, that he was Winnie the Pooh. And he was. So, as I have explained the poo part, I will now explain the rest of it. You can't be in London for long without going to the zoo. There are some people who begin the zoo at the beginning, called way in, and walk as quickly as they can past every cage until they get to the one called way out, but the nicest people go straight to the animal they love the most, and stay there. So when Christopher Robin goes to the zoo, he goes to where the polar bears are, and he whispers something to the third keeper from the left, and doors are unlocked, and we wander through dark passages and up steep stairs, until at last we come to the special cage, and the cage is opened, and out trots something brown and furry, and with a happy cry of, Oh, bear. Christopher Robin rushes into its arms. Now this bear's name is Winnie, which shows what a good name for bears it is, but the funny thing is that we can't remember whether Winnie is called after Pooh, or Pooh after Winnie. We did know once, but we have forgotten. I had written as far as this when Piglet looked up and said in his squeaky voice. What about me? My dear Piglet, I said, the whole book is about you. So it is about Pooh? He squeaked. You see what it is. He is jealous because he thinks Pooh is having a grand introduction all to himself. Pooh is the favorite, of course, there's no denying it, but Piglet comes in for a good many things which Pooh misses. Because you can't take Pooh to school without everybody knowing it, but Piglet is so small that he slips into a pocket, where it is very comforting to feel him when you are not quite sure whether twice 7 is 12 or 22. Sometimes he slips out and has a good look in the ink pot, and in this way he has got more education than Pooh, but Pooh doesn't mind. Some have brains, and some haven't, he says, and there it is. And now all the others are saying, what about us? so perhaps the best thing to do is to stop writing introductions and get on with the book chapter one in which we are introduced to Winnie the Pooh and some bees and the stories begin here is Edward bear coming downstairs now bump 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 on the back of his head behind Christopher Robin it is as far as he knows the only way of coming downstairs but sometimes he feels that there really is another way if only he could stop bumping for a moment and think of it and then he feels that perhaps there isn't Anyhow, here he is at the bottom, and ready to be introduced to you. Winnie the Pooh. When I first heard his name, I said, just as you were going to say, but I thought he was a boy. So did I. Said Christopher Robin. Then you can't call him Winnie.
1: I don't. But you said. He's Winnie the Pooh.
0: Don't you know what, there, means? Ah, yes, now I do, I said quickly, and I hope you do too, because it is all the explanation you are going to get. Sometimes Winnie the Pooh likes a game of some sort when he comes downstairs, and sometimes he likes to sit quietly in front of the fire and listen to a story. This evening. What about a story? Said Christopher Robin. What about a story? I said.
1: Could you very sweetly tell Winnie the Pooh one? I suppose I could, I said. What sort of stories does he like? About himself. Because he's that sort of bear. Oh, I
0: see. So could you very sweetly. I'll try, I said, so I tried. Once upon a time, a very long time ago now, about last Friday, Winnie the Pooh lived in a forest all by himself under the name of Sanders. What does, under the name, mean? Asked Christopher Robin. It means he had the name over the door in gold letters, and lived under it. Winnie the Pooh wasn't quite sure. Said Christopher Robin. Now I am. Said a growly voice. Then I will go on, said I. One day when he was out walking, he came to an open place in the middle of the forest, and in the middle of this place was a large oak tree, and, from the top of the tree, there came a loud buzzing noise. Winnie the Pooh sat down at the foot of the tree, put his head between his paws and began to think. First of all he said to himself.
2: That buzzing noise means
3: something. You don't get a buzzing noise like that, just buzzing and buzzing, without its meaning something. If there's a buzzing noise, somebody's making a buzzing noise, and the only reason for making a buzzing noise that I know of is because you're a bee.
0: Then he thought another long time and said,
2: And the only reason for being a bee that I know of is making honey.
0: And then he got up and said,
2: And the only reason for making honey is so as I can eat it.
0: So he began to climb the tree. He climbed and he climbed and he climbed, and as he climbed he sang a little song to himself. It went like this.
3: Isn't it funny how a bear likes honey? buzz 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 i wonder why he does
0: then he climbed a little further and a little further and then just a little further by the time he had thought of another song
3: it's a very funny thought that if bears were bees they'd build their nests at the bottom of trees and that being so if the bees were bears we shouldn't have to climb up all these stairs
0: he was getting rather tired by this time so that is why he sang a complaining song He was nearly there now, and if he just stood on that branch. Crap.
3: Oh, help.
0: Said Pooh, as he dropped 10 feet on the branch below him.
3: If only I hadn't.
0: He said, as he bounced 20 feet onto the next branch.
3: You see, what I meant to do.
0: He explained, as he turned head over heels, and crashed onto another branch 30 feet below.
3: What I meant to do, of course, it was rather.
0: He admitted, as he slithered very quickly through the next six branches.
3: It all comes, I suppose.
0: He decided, as he said goodbye to the last branch, spun round three times, and flew Grace. But you don't get honey with balloons. I do. Said Pooh.
1: Well, it just happened that you had been to a party the day before at the house of your friend Piglet, and you had balloons at the party. You had had a big green balloon, and one of Rabbit's relations had had a big blue one, and had left it behind.
3: What do I look like?
1: You look like a bear holding onto a balloon.
0: You said. Not. Said Pooh anxiously.
3: Not like a small black cloud in a blue sky.
1: Not very much.
3: Ah, well, perhaps from up here it looks different. And, as I say, you never can tell with bees.
0: Then you had better have the blue balloon. There was no wind to blow him nearer to the tree, so there he stayed. He could see the honey, he could smell the honey, but he couldn't quite reach the honey. After a little while he called down to you.
3: Christopher Robin.
0: He said in a loud whisper. Hello.
3: I think the bees suspect something.
1: What sort of thing?
3: I don't know. But something tells me that they're suspicious.
1: Perhaps they think that you're after
0: their honey.
3: It may be that. You never can tell with bees.
0: There was another little silence and then he called down to you again.
3: Christopher Robin. Have you an umbrella in your house? I think so. I wish you would bring it out here and walk up and down with it. ...and look up at me every now and then, and say tut tut, it looks like rain. I think, if you did that, it would help the deception which we are practicing on these bees.
0: Well, you laughed to yourself. Silly old bear. But you didn't say it aloud because you were so fond of him, and you went home for your umbrella.
3: Oh, there you are.
0: Called down Winnie the Pooh as soon as you got back to the tree.
3: I was beginning to get anxious. I have discovered that the bees are now definitely suspicious.
1: Shall I put my umbrella up? You said.
3: Yes, but wait a moment. We must be practical. The important bee to deceive is the queen bee. Can you see which is the queen bee from down there? No. A pity. Well, now, if you walk up and down with your umbrella, saying, Tut tut, it looks like rain, I shall do what I can by singing a little cloud song, such as a cloud might sing. Go.
0: So, while you walked up and down and wondered if it would rain, Winnie the Pooh sang this song.
3: How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue. Every little cloud always sings aloud. How sweet to be a cloud floating in the blue. It makes him very proud to be a little cloud.
0: The bees were still buzzing as suspiciously as ever. Some of them, indeed, left their nests and flew all round the cloud as it began the second verse of this song, and one bee sat down on the nose of the cloud for a moment, and then got up again.
3: Christopher, how? Robin.
0: Called out the cloud. Yes.
3: I have just been thinking, and I have come to a very important decision. These are the wrong sort of bees. Are they? Quite the wrong sort. So I should think they would make the wrong sort of honey, shouldn't you? Would they? Yes. So I think I shall come down.
0: How? Asked you. Winnie the Pooh hadn't thought about this. If he let go of the string, he would fall, bump, and he didn't like the idea of that. So he thought for a long time, and then he said,
3: Christopher Robin, you must shoot the balloon with your gun. Have you got your gun?
0: Of course I have, you said.
1: But if I do that, it will spoil the balloon. You said.
3: But if you don't, said Pooh, I shall have to let go, and that would spoil me.
0: When he put it like this, you saw how it was, and you aimed very carefully at the balloon, and fired. How? Said Pooh. Did I miss? You asked.
3: You didn't exactly miss, said Pooh, but you missed the balloon.
0: I'm so sorry, you said, and you fired again, and this time you hit the balloon, and the air came slowly out, and Winnie the Pooh floated down to the ground. But his arms were so stiff from holding onto the string of the balloon all that time that they stayed up straight in the air for more than a week, and whenever a fly came and settled on his nose he had to blow it off. And I think, but I am not sure, that that is why he was always called Pooh. Is that the end of the story? Asked Christopher Robin. That's the end of that one. There are others. About Pooh and me. And Piglet and Rabbit and all of you. Don't you remember? I do remember, and then
1: when I try to remember, I forget. That day
0: when Pooh and Piglet tried to catch the heffalump.
1: They didn't catch it, did they? Pooh couldn't, because he hasn't any brain.
0: Did I catch it? Well, that comes into the story christopher robin nodded
1: i do remember he said only Pooh doesn't very well so that's why he likes having it told to him again because then it's a real story and not just a remembering
0: that's just how i feel i said christopher robin gave a deep sigh picked his bear up by the leg and walked off to the door trailing Pooh behind him at the door he turned and said
1: coming to see me have my bath i might i said i didn't hurt him when i shot
0: him did i not a bit he nodded and went out, and in a moment I heard Winnie the Pooh bump, 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 going up the stairs behind him. Um. Ah, that's our pause. And concludes your preview of Winnie the Pooh. A special thanks to the Project Gutenberg for bringing us into the Hundred Acre Woods. And with that, I say, the Project Gutenberg ebook of Winnie the Pooh. This ebook is for the use of anyone, anywhere in the United States and most other parts of the world at no cost and with almost no restrictions whatsoever. You may copy it, give it away, or reuse it under the terms of the Project Gutenberg license included with this ebook or online at www.gutenberg.org. If you are not located in the United States, you'll have to check the laws of the country where you are located before using this ebook. Title Winnie the Pooh Author, A. A. Milne Illustrator, Ernest H. Shepard Release Date, January 3, 2022. Ebook number 67,098. Most recently updated. December 28, 2022. Language. English Original Publication. Canada. McClelland and Stewart. Limited. 1926 credits. Greg Weeks. Mary Meehan. Iona Vaughan. David T. Jones and the Online Distributed Proofreaders Canada team at http colon slash, slash www.pgdpcanada.net. And now the journey continues well into chapter 20 of Around the World in 80 Days.
3: Please stand by.
0: Chapter 20, in which Fix comes face to face with Feliz Fogg. While these events were passing at the Opium House, Mr. Fogg, unconscious of the danger he was in of losing the steamer, was quietly escorting out or about the streets of the English Quarter, making the necessary purchases for the long voyage before them. It was all very well for an Englishman like Mr. Fogg to make the tour of the world with a carpet bag, a lady could not be expected to travel comfortably under such conditions. He acquitted his task with characteristic serenity, and invariably replied to the remonstrances of his fair companion, who was confused by his patience and generosity.
4: It is in the interest of my journey, a part of my program.
0: The purchases made, they returned to the hotel, where they dined at a sumptuously served table. After which Ada, shaking hands with her protector after the English fashion, retired to her room for rest. Mr. Fog absorbed himself throughout the evening in the perusal of the Times and Illustrated London News. Had he been capable of being astonished at anything, it would have been not to see his servant return at bedtime. But, knowing that the steamer was not to leave for Yokohama until the next morning, he did not disturb himself about the matter. When Paspata did not appear the next morning to answer his master's bell, Mr. Fogg, not betraying the least vexation, contented himself with taking his carpet bag, calling Outer, and sending for a palanquin. It was then eight o'clock, at half past nine, it being then high tide, the Carnatic would leave the harbour. Mr. Fogg and Outer got into the palanquin, their luggage being brought after on a wheelbarrow, and half an hour later stepped upon the quay whence they were to embark. Mr. Fogg then learned that the Carnatic had sailed the evening before. He had expected to find not only the steamer, but his domestic, and was forced to give up both, but no sign of disappointment appeared on his face, and he merely remarked to Alda.
4: It is an accident, madam, nothing more.
0: At this moment a man who had been observing him attentively approached. It was Fix, who, bowing, addressed Mr. Fogg.
2: Were you not, like me, sir, a passenger by the Rangoon, which arrived yesterday? I was, sir
0: replied Mr. Fogg coldly.
2: But I have not the honor. Pardon me. I thought I should find your servant here.
0: Do you know where he is, sir? Asked Outer anxious. What? Responded Fix, feigning surprise.
2: Is he not with you?
0: No. Said Outer. He has not made his appearance since yesterday. Could he have gone on board the Carnatic without us?
2: Without you, madam?
0: Answered the detective.
2: Excuse me? Did you intend to sail in the Carnatic?
0: Yes, sir.
2: So did I, madam, and I am excessively disappointed. The Carnatic, its repairs being completed, left Hong Kong 12 hours before the stated time, without any notice being given, and we must now wait a week for another steamer.
0: As he said, a week, Fix felt his heart leap for joy. Fogg detained at Hong Kong for a week. There would be time for the warrant to arrive, and Fortune at last favored the representative of the law. His horror may be imagined when he heard Mr. Fogg say, in his placid voice,
4: But there are other vessels besides the Carnatic, it seems to me, in the harbour of Hong Kong.
0: And, offering his arm to Ada, he directed his steps toward the docks in search of some craft about to start. Fix, stupefied, followed, it seemed as if he were attached to Mr. Fogg by an invisible thread. Chance, however, appeared really to have abandoned the man it had hitherto served so well. For three hours Feliz Fogg wandered about the docks, with the determination, if necessary, to charter a vessel to carry him to Yokohama, but he could only find vessels which were loading or unloading, and which could not therefore set sail. Fix began to hope again, but Mr. Fogg, far from being discouraged, was continuing his search, resolved not to stop if he had to resort to Macau, when he was accosted by a sailor on one of the wharves.
5: Is your honor looking for a boat? Have you a boat ready to sail? Yes, your honor. A pilot boat, number 43, the best in the harbor. Does she go fast? Between 8 and 9 knots the hour. Will you look at her? Yes. Your honor will be satisfied with her. Is it for a sea excursion? No, for a voyage.
4: A voyage? Yes, will you agree to take me to Yokohama?
0: The sailor leaned on the railing, opened his eyes wide, and said,
4: Is your honor joking? No, I have missed the, Carnatic, and I must get to Yokohama by the 14th at the latest, to take the boat for San Francisco. I am sorry,
0: said the sailor,
4: but it is impossible. I offer you a hundred pounds per day and an additional reward of two hundred pounds if I reach Yokohama in time. Are you in earnest? Very much so.
0: The pilot walked away a little distance, and gazed out to sea, evidently struggling between the anxiety to gain a large sum and the fear of venturing so far. Fix was in mortal suspense. Mister, Fogg turned to Aldera and asked her,
4: You would not be afraid, would you, madam?
0: Not with you, Mister. Fog, was her answer. The pilot now returned, shuffling his hat in his hands.
4: Well,
5: pilot,
0: said Mr. Fog.
5: Well, your honor, replied he, I could not risk myself, my men, or my little boat of scarcely twenty tons on so long a voyage at this time of year. Besides, we could not reach Yokohama in time. For it is sixteen hundred and sixty miles from Hong Kong. Only sixteen hundred.
0: Said Mr. Fogg.
5: It's the same thing.
0: Fix breathed more freely. But. Added the pilot.
5: It might be arranged another way.
0: Fix ceased to breathe at all. How? Asked Mr. Fogg.
5: By going to Nagasaki at the extreme south of Japan, or even to Shanghai, which is only 800 miles from here. In going to Shanghai we should not be forced to sail wide of the Chinese coast, which would be a great advantage, as the currents run northward, and would aid us. Pilot,
0: said Mr. Fogg.
5: I must
4: take the American steamer at Yokohama and not at Shanghai or Nagasaki. Why not?
0: Returned the pilot.
4: The San Francisco steamer does not start from Yokohama. It puts in at Yokohama and Nagasaki, but
5: it starts from Shanghai. You are sure of that? Perfectly. And when does the boat leave Shanghai?
4: On the 11th, at 7 in the evening, we have... Therefore, four days before us, that is 96 hours, and in that time, if we had good luck and a southwest wind, and the sea was calm, we could make those 800
5: miles to Shanghai. And you could go. In an hour. As soon as provisions could be got aboard and the sails put up. It is a bargain, are you the master of the boat? Yes. John Bunsby, master of the tankader. Would you like some earnest money? If it would not put your honor out. Here are
4: two hundred pounds on account, sir.
0: Added Felice Fogg, turning to Fix.
4: If you would like to take advantage. Thanks, sir. I was about to ask the favor. Very well. In half an hour we shall go on board.
0: But poor Passepartout, urged Alda, who was much disturbed by the servant's disappearance.
4: I shall do all I can to find him.
0: Replied Felice Fogg. While Fix, in a feverish, nervous state, repaired to the pilot boat, the others directed their course to the police station at Hong Kong. Feliz Fogg there gave Passepartout's description, and left a sum of money to be spent in the search for him. The same formalities having been gone through at the French consulate, and the palanquin having stopped at the hotel for the luggage, which had been sent back there, they returned to the wharf. It was now 3 o'clock, and pilot boat number 43, with its crew on board, and its provisions stored away, was ready for departure. The tankardier was a neat little craft of 20 tons, as gracefully built as if she were a racing yacht. Her shining copper sheathing, her galvanized iron work, her deck, white as ivory, betrayed the pride taken by John Bunsby in making her presentable. Her two masts leaned a trifle backward, she carried brigantine, foresail, storm jib, and standing jib, and was well rigged for running before the wind, and she seemed capable of brisk speed, which, indeed, she had already proved by gaining several prizes in pilot boat races. The crew of the tankadier was composed of John Bunsby, the master, and four hardy mariners, who were familiar with the Chinese seas. John Bunsby, himself, a man of 45 or thereabouts, vigorous, sunburnt, with a sprightly expression of the eye, and energetic and self-reliant countenance, would have inspired confidence in the most timid. Feliz Fog and Outer went on board, where they found Fix already installed. Below deck was a square cabin, of which the walls bulged out in the form of cots, above a circular divan, in the center was a table provided with a swinging lamp. The accommodation was confined, but neat.
4: I am sorry to have nothing better to offer you,
0: said Mr. Fogg to Fix, who bowed without responding. The detective had a feeling akin to humiliation in profiting by the kindness of Mr. Fogg.
2: It's certain, thought he, though rascal as he is, he is a polite one.
0: The sails and the English flag were hoisted at ten minutes past three. Mr. Fogg and Alda, who was seated on deck, cast a last glance at the key in the hope of espying Caspar Fix was not without his fears lest chance should direct the steps of the unfortunate servant, whom he had so badly treated, in this direction, in which case an explanation the reverse of satisfactory to the detective must have ensued. But the Frenchman did not appear, and, without doubt, was still lying under the stupefying influence of the opium. John Bunsby, master, at length gave the order to start, and the tankardier, taking the wind under her brigantine, foresail, and standing jib, bounded briskly forward over the waves. Well, that's it for chapter 20. And now I remind you of the following The Project Gutenberg ebook of Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne. This ebook is for the use of anyone anywhere in the United States and most other parts of the world at no cost and with almost no restrictions whatsoever. You may copy it, give it away, or reuse it under the terms of the Project Gutenberg license included with this ebook or online at www.gutenberg.org. If you are not located in the United States, you'll have to check the laws of the country where you are located before using this ebook. Title: Around the World in 80 Days Author: Jules Verne Release date: January 1st, 1994 Ebook number: 103 Most recently updated: August 6th, 2021 Language: English. Remember to follow the stream on mindoverjohn.substack.com. I'll grant you a sneak peek on coming episodes and chapters to be, and if it's not too much trouble, I need some feedback. Yes you. My avid listener and watcher, but I'll go one step further. I know deep down inside you want to share, so here you go. What did you think? I honestly would love to hear from you. Do you like the minisodes? I've included a link to send a voicemail to Mind Over John, and I so very promise to include you, my Podtraverser, in an upcoming chapter release. My my, you're an impatient and ill-ad-hasty, but very well. It's https colon slash slash podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash mindoverjohn slash message. See that's why this just works better and easier to memorize. Mindoverjohn.substack.com. Until our next chapter pod travelers, stream on.